Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. You're listening to Rabot & Co. here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome to a Tuesday edition of Rabot & Co. Louis Rabot at uh, Radio Louis on Twitter. Easy for me to say. You can go find us there as a station at ESPN 680. Uh, thanks for making us part of your Tuesday. I got you till noon, Bobby V, after us. And, of course, roundtable 3 o'clock. Go local till 6 o'clock this afternoon here on ESPN 680-1057. Last text into the text line, 437-9680 from the last show. Make me a bicycle clown. That's a solid, solid movie reference. Um, all right, so uh, Mark Ennis joins us in the 10 o'clock hour. Has he gaggled in? Mark, how are you? I am here, and I, too, like to check the last text into the show before me and then try to do, like, the detective work backwards. Like, whatever yes. was happening that made that one get said, and it's always one of my favorite ways to start the show. So I, I, do, I feel you on that. I do wonder, because, you know, just, you know, Diener uses this text line on the 680 side, so we get some texts intended for the other show. Do you get many that are intended pretty clearly for Strebel that end up on your show? Probably not many, right? Absolutely. And, oh, you do. Oh, okay. Well, no, we, we do. Get, we do get them. We don't get a lot, but what we do, we the ones we get, like it's very obvious that they're, him. <laughs> that they're not calling you pig rig. They're calling someone else pig rig. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> or, or they have something to do with UFOs. <laughs> right? The UFOs. I'm out. You know, that clearly can't be for me. <laughs> Mark's just looking at the text line. What did Anna do? Yeah, right. All right. Anyway, what are Mark. they doing over there? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how it is. They, you had the the seed from the office. What would you say? you do here <laughs> what is this show about all right so uh we'll, we'll start national we'll talk about the game from last night here as michigan wins the national title first time since their uh their split national title in 1997 only their second one uh since we integrated the game of college football and i i think i wanted to start there with just how hard it is to win one of these mark that a place like Michigan that I think all of us think of as, you know, one of the original 100,000-seat, you know, stadiums and those helmets and the traditions and the money and everything else. And, man, it, it has been that long since they won their last one. And before that, it was the 1950s. Uh, takeaways from last night, uh, is it more big picture for you or was is it more just about this year's team and John Harbaugh and the Annex and that sort of thing? Well, it, it was just overall refreshing for it to be – a different face uh, instead of just either Clemson or Alabama slash Georgia. Right. Like it was nice for it to just be uh, a different face. And I thought it was refreshing for Michigan to do it the Michigan way. They didn't, uh, this wasn't even like Nick Saban embracing offense and then 
crushing everybody for a couple of years or anything like that. This was Harbaugh sticking with uh, Bo Schimbeckler football. Right. Uh, for, I don't know how else to say it than that. And, and they did win it that way, uh, never flinched. And that run at the end of the season, going through Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State, Iowa, and then beating Alabama and Washington, like that says that's all you could ever ask for from a champion. Three of those teams either were undefeated or had one loss. Right. You know, at the time, or, or were 10 win. All of them, I think, except for Maryland, 10 win teams, basically. Like, as and a lot of different playing it, styles yeah. and how the teams are constructed, coaching styles, et cetera. I agree with you. 100%. And you got a home, road, neutral. Sure. All, I mean, all of it uh, down the stretch. Uh, and we can – I am not excusing anything. But to say uh, – Six out of 12 regular season games, their head coach was suspended, and they didn't miss a beat. And they like there is some credit to be had for having a team that is that mentally tough, even if the adversity is self-imposed, to use Kenny's phrase, uh, that, that even then they just never missed a beat with anything. An incredibly mature, right. talented, serious team that beat uh, high-flying teams, beat bully ball teams, beat everybody. Uh, and really was controlled that game last night from start to finish. It was very impressive. You know, it's interesting. I, I think I refer to them about 75 times in previewing the CFP and then eventually the game as the most polished team in the CFP. And that came through last night, right? And it, it, it the, the place where it stood out the most to me, Mark, was all of the, the, the excitement that all of us had, and it's okay to say, that Washington made it a seven-point game before half, and we knew they were getting the ball, right? I think yeah. most of us just wanted an interesting game, right? And and frankly, we got it, right? It was a game until the fourth quarter. and But when they came out, and immediately, there's an incredibly athletic interception <laughs> for a guy who, who was in the exact right spot, knew exactly what play was coming. Uh, that was the moment when I went, they're just, they're just more polished. That's it. That's the moment, and it, it seemed to put it away. The one thing I do want to point out, is you said they control the game from start to finish. And I agree with you. But <laughs> isn't it on the on the drive um where Washington threw the interception or did they have to punt? I cannot remember. It was the punt with about uh in the fourth quarter. And they punt after the holding call on the play when it's 20 to 13, there's a long pass that's completed into Michigan territory and they make a bad holding call on the right tackle. Yeah. And the game was over then it just ended then. And it's so fascinating because even though it was pretty clear the entire game that Michigan was better, if they complete that pass and there isn't a bad holding call there, that might be a different outcome for that game. There might be, but I think everything we've saw about the game, uh, gives you every reason to think Michigan would still respond well because all that was was one long pass. Now, I will say this. Uh, I It's impossible for me as kind of a layman uh, to watch that and say with certainty why it happened. But for the first time in several weeks, Michael Penix was about four inches off. Like repeatedly, there were guys open throughout the game that he missed, that he did not miss in the Texas game, that he did not miss in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, and missed in what to me looked like panic. I thought he looked just the tiniest bit jittery, uh, and he was seeing things about a tick too late uh, and has a great arm and, and still was, was pretty close. But I thought Penix looked um, 
rushed for a lot of the game. And I think in particular, it's Michigan's ability to get pass rush over the guard center guard. Yes. That just messes with every quarterback. It's what melts Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, for crying out loud. And I thought they had some of that working last night, that if he was just a little bit more calm, the the fourth down throw where he has a guy wide open, you know, and, and... leads him kind of towards the outside when he's going up the uh, up the seam and it, he probably scores if he if he makes a better throw there there were a couple of those but i think my gut tells me michigan kind of deserves credit for that too you know uh years ago when peyton manning was with the colts and if i get the names wrong zach go ahead and interject but they add dwight freeney to the mix as an edge rusher and the colts were really the first to go hey we're gonna go quarterback and we're gonna go edge rusher and that's what we're gonna do and everyone copied it, right? <laughs> That's essentially what the league became. Yeah. And now it's gotten to it's gotten to college. Don't That's, forget about my guy Robert Mathis. Too. Robert Mathis, no, but they did, right? They, the, the edge rush thing was legitimate for for the Colts, and then we watched it permeate the rest of the NFL. And now it's gotten down to college, and that's how. And you mentioned it: is this Bo Schembechler football or whatever you want to call it? It's just having bigger, faster, uglier dudes on the lines, right? And that's what it was. Because Penix, I'm not, you know, by the end, he had taken a lot of hits. I don't think he had gotten hit a lot in the first half. And it was more just, and I thought Herbstreet really did a good job of this last night, pointing out, hey, they're not getting to the quarterback, but look how much the D tackle's just pushing the guard back and and not giving him even a yard of space to throw the ball, right? And Penix, of any quarterback I can remember in college, since Mahomes has the quickest and most unorthodox release that I can remember. You know, at Texas Tech, just because of the nature of how they play, he had more time, did Mahomes. But Penix just, I mean, that that quick release, even against Michigan last night, he was too uncomfortable to get a lot of those passes off. No, I 100% agree. And overall, I think Michigan's commitment to um, a physicality and straight-ahead running you start asking yourself this. Go back to what Nick Saban said uh, in interviews and such after they were beaten by Michigan in the Rose Bowl. You know, he said this was the first team we played all year that huddled. And I wonder sometimes if the biggest of big boys, like Alabama used to, uh, if they can't get away with playing some really, really old school football because of the talent they can acquire. Mm. And there are teams who are just like, what is this? Mm. What do you mean you're gonna you're gonna you're just gonna pull a guard and run <laughs> ISO us over? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. but I'll be damned if Michigan didn't on t- the first two possessions just run it right up Washington's nose. Mm. And I do wonder sometimes about you, the teams that can do it. How often? Like, how do you even simulate that in practice when right. your team never does never it? Does and I do wonder if they just even Alabama didn't look like they were ready for that sort of thing. Uh, from Michigan and, and kudos to them for building. I love when teams do it a different way and it works and it's legit. Uh, and even if Michigan is is odious uh, to you for whatever reason, not you, just people, I understand. Uh, that uh, uh, you have to, I think, respect the fact that they committed to a certain way of doing things. Uh, and while they tinkered with it, they believed in a vision and they built it up to it and they, they collected players and coaches who believe in doing it this way. And no matter who they faced, they made the other team play their ball, and they won every single time, most of the time, very, very impressively uh, at it. And now uh, it diversity in the sense of, like, it's just not being redundant is really, really good for college football because it's always a problem. And so to have Michigan back is great. 
for the game overall, uh, we'll see about everything else they're intended to do to sort of destroy the game. I <laughs> I was, you know, we'll get into U of L in the next segment. Uh, as far on the football side, we'll do basketball last. But I was thinking about that last night because basketball at eleven. You want me to do it at eleven oh five? Does that sound good? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't worry, I won't beat Damn. you over the head with Robbie Hummel sound. Um, the uh, found myself agreeing with Robbie Hummel. I don't quite know what to do with that. Um, we could be cousins, it comes right? for us all, man. Yeah, we yeah. could be we could be cousins if you if you look at me and Robbie. But anyways, the uh, with with Michigan and how they won last night, I I agree with you that it wasn't. Hey, you have to do this in college to win. They just had the best team in the best scheme. They just did, right? And so this reminded me, frankly, a lot of UConn's run through the tournament last year in college basketball. We're the best team with the best coaching, with the best scheme, with the best tools to fit that scheme. Just won the tournament, right? And I I think that happened on the football side. We don't always get that, right? It's a one-game sample size. Any tournament is. But in this case, you know, Michigan was – like I said, the most polished, and they, they clearly had, uh, they were clearly going to win this if they played uh, to their their top level. All right, so four times in the second half, Washington had the ball trailing by one score. Didn't score in any of those drives. Hmm. Is that more credit to Michigan or, hey, Kalen DeBoer, what are we doing? I'd never watched what Washington was doing and thinking, wow, they're really making a mistake here. I just thought just about every time Washington had the ball with a chance, like you said, to tie the game, Michigan had an answer. They had great coverage. They un- tackled unbelievably well yes, in did. space and yep. one on, one on one. Yep. You know, pass rush, getting uh, Penix off of his spots. A lot of, I think this was the, maybe the, well, no, there's no maybe to it. This is without question the most physical defense that Washington had faced, and it comes out in tiny little ways there were a whole lot of passes that washington receivers got their hands on that michigan still broke up either with contact or still actually you know deflecting the pass in their hands a lot of that they weren't strong with the ball and that you see that happened to louisville's receivers this year you see that with receivers who are real fast very shifty very dangerous but when the defense is just sort of brutal like that Mm. it it can tend to negate some of the like the edges of that and i thought we got that i thought everyone was looking at michigan's defenders all night uh, on on the washington side and when that happens that's not a good sign yeah uh pointed out that uh 16 times uh penix was rushed how many of those times do you think he completed a pass five that's exactly right uh five for 16 for 67 yards how many interceptions did he throw in those 16 rushes how many did he throw? Two? Two is correct. There you go. Look at Mark Ennis. Wow, I killed that. Yeah, there you go. Wait, go um. back to just to give Michigan. <laughs> this this might be the, as good of a sign as anything that Michigan deserves the, the majority of the credit for that. In the first half of the Rose Bowl against Alabama, on plays where they blitzed, I think there were 12, that Alabama did not even attempt a pass. Right. On, on passing plays, they right. did not even get passes off. They either sacked him or he ran. Like, when you can blitz and just erase a pass attempt, that's a dominating defense. Michigan was better against Alabama, and that game went to OT. I, I think that's actually fair to say. I think they played better against Alabama. But I, I, I don't know about that. I don't, I was just sorry. I was trying to think. I don't, I don't know about that. I think Alabama was just a better matchup against Michigan for the styles. I think that they played about as well as any. I don't like there was nobody who was going to shut Washington out. 
They're well, too, that, too yeah, good but, for yes. that. Sure. Uh, but I thought, for instance, they played a better offensive game against Washington than they did against Alabama. So different, uh, not better or worse to me. Uh, Michigan allowed its second most passing yards of the season. 255 <laughs> in a game we say they dominated <laughs> good lord um uh, no i'm what i'm saying is like just that's nothing in in the modern game 255 right. yards is nothing literally i mean that's 60 yards a quarter i mean it's nothing um right. they allowed 271 to ohio state and that was the the peak of the season as far as the yards allowed which is pretty unbelievable um it was the last game for the pac-12 are you sad about the pac-12 was the pac-12 ad hilarious no <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah it was funny absolutely yeah, okay. yeah, it, was funny. <laughs> uh, it was a kind of a requiem right it uh, was totally at was. that point but the, in the pac-12 yeah, conference I and i'm care. like i hope y'all didn't make a new one for this year like you didn't spend money on that i hope that's from like three years ago and you're like does anybody remember this ad and we're just gonna play it again <laughs> it's sort of like the promo ads for anyway yeah, another, <laughs> yeah. i'm just Another time. Another time. Zach, every time that ad comes on, he goes, how long ago do you think Paul Rogers was in the Yum Center for those uh, for those ads? But anyways, um, <laughs> Kayla DeBoer, uh, is Washington, uh, has he shown that Washington is a great job or is he a guy who just wins everywhere he goes and should try to get a job at a, at a place that's more traditional within college football? Oh, I, I know the the uh, the former. I, I think he is. Okay. I think it's it's a little bit of both. I think he is obviously he's such a winner. It's in, unbelievable. The guy's yeah. just a total winner. Yes. NAIA football. Yep. Everything. You know, yep. To no, I think he is what happens uh, when a guy who is a great coach, a guy who has that just kind of daily desperation. I'm gonna look for every advantage. I'm gonna you know we're gonna make sure every single thing we can possibly control is the best that it can be, uh, and all of it, we're going to be resourceful. We're going to be shrewd. All that stuff. But then you also give him resources. Yeah. Right. And he he maintains that edge. It is a nightmare uh, for people. I think Louisville folks are hoping Jeff Brom is a lot of that. Yes. Uh, and and just to to bring it home on the basketball side, you, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You know, Washington falls apart under Jimmy Lake, mm. and 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 it's embarrassing. And people are like, "What? We were just in the playoff with the previous guy. What the hell's happening here?" They they have the incident there. They run him out of there, and they are immediately right back where they needed to be because he is a great coach, and it is a great place hmm. where you can be successful. And he showed that. And I, I, I think that there's some encouragement to be found there. You've got to find your Kalen DeBoer on the basketball side. I think that's I think that's everything I wanted to cover. How about that? Um, do you think uh, Harbaugh is on the sideline for Michigan next year? Is it, will you believe me if I say I hope he is? Like I, I, I worry in, what, about what, in other words, like break a bunch of rules and then and then get out of town essentially. Yeah, but also like I, I college football is better when there are more teams that can compete with the with the the the, uh, the oligarchs at the top, right? And even though Michigan's obviously one of them, they haven't been, and so for them to be there is good, right? It's better for Ohio State to have competition in the Big Ten. It's better for the SEC to have more than just Clemson and Ohio State as competition in the whole country. Uh, and so I think it's better for him to be in the game. It's better for the game overall. And, look, he's a weird villain, yeah, right? Like, he's right. not evil. He's the perfect villain. Like, he thinks he's the rightest, which is even better. <laughs> but... You know, what's more fun for college football, period, him or Sharon Moore, who I know, but like he's not as interesting as Jim Harbaugh, like not even close. And so I hope he's still around, but I 
absolutely do not believe uh, that okay. he is. <laughs> and, and can we can we just take stock for just a second? Look at this guy has been to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he has he has won ten games at San Diego University, not the Chargers. <laughs> University of San Diego yep. at Stanford. Yep. Has been to the Super Bowl and has now won a national championship with Michigan in the in the playoff era. W- whatever you think about him as a weirdo, uh, he is out of this world good as a head coach. He's one of the best ever. Yeah, he. Uh, you know, we were talking about guys who are winners, and we, I went to Kalen DeBoer, but I mean, cripes. I mean, obviously, uh, Harbaugh fits that mold as well. I I always admire players who just are champions at every level. And one of the things you know yeah. I I learned early at at Michigan State was that. Uh, uh, Magic Johnson won a high school title, a college title, an NBA title, and a gold medal. <laughs> it's like that? that's that's winning. There it is. And he, and he has a title with the Dodgers. I love it. There you go. Why not? Yeah, sure. As an owner, <laughs> yeah. But not? now he owns part of Washington. He ain't never gonna win nothing with that. Yeah, that's where the streak ends. He's not winning anything <laughs> with the Commanders. That's a, that was his heat check of buying into the Commanders. <laughs> it's like maybe if we uh, go back to a racist name, we might win more. Uh, anybody thought about that? Huh? Anybody? No? Nothing? Can't rule. I'm just huh? asking questions. <laughs> I'm just asking. Come on, Magic Johnson. Is Joe Gibbs available? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Gibbs gets out of a NASCAR. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, uh, we'll uh, take a break here. Uh, we'll come back with Mark Ennis on the other side. Uh, tons of programming. We will have the UK uh, fish and uh, excuse me, the Kentucky fish and wildlife post game show for U of K. Uh, U of K. Good lord, UK basketball. Uh, that'll be tonight. You're all right. I, uh, no, I'm not. I'm trying to read from a promo sheet that I don't have in front of me. There we go. Okay. Kentucky basketball post game show nine o'clock here on uh, six eighty one zero five seven Louisville Sports Live will be tonight at seven. Zach, are you on Louisville Sports Live tonight? I am dominating. Uh, BBZ makes the switch uh, to red on ninety three nine tonight. We re air the Kenny Payne show. Uh, from which we have sound that we will not play for Mark Ennis. Uh, today, I will do a Raising Cane's read later. Uh, stick with us here, though. It is a Tuesday edition of Roboco here at ESPN 680 105.7. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Bright light, Venus, pretty sight. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world. You are listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabot. It'll be okay, Zach. Welcome back in. Rabo and Co. Louis Rabot, Mark Ennis, and Zach Cantrell hanging out with you here on ESPN 680-1057. Speaking of uh, the end of the world, Louisville basketball travels to Miami on Wednesday. Uh, 7 o'clock start there. We'll have the Alex White Network coverage at 5.30 after the broadcast. You can hear Ethan uh, Moore from his bathroom uh, on the Coors Light postgame show. He'll take your calls and texts and talk about... Uh, the next coach at uh, at Louisville basketball. That's what he does now. Like I said, Mark Ennis with us uh, for the 10 o'clock hour like he is on Tuesdays. Uh, all right, so I have it on the show sheet, and it's something that I immediately thought about last night was where is Louisville going to be when I see the articles tonight about the 
way too early top 25s. And uh, to make the the, uh, the 2025 CFP, what does that look like? And Louisville is on all of these lists. Uh, the only yep. thing they are not on is a list to win the national title as far as odds of 60 to 1 or shorter. Uh, but they are on all of these lists, usually in the top 20. Uh, Mark, were you surprised at all to see that? No, I think they're having a, a nice offseason. But hey, I just want to derail this for, for just oh, a Oh, please. Yeah, derailment. Yeah. When did we get promos with Zach's name in them? When did that start? Gandalfo. That's Gandalfo right there, man. Oh, uh, okay. You I, got a problem with I don't it? Know. Who, who approved <laughs> that? Like, I don't know about that. It actually wasn't me. It was James. Okay. Yeah, All right. It wasn't that. you. I just, no. I was just wanted to make sure it wasn't a scenario where you were like, make sure we get my name. Like, as long as somebody else did it, I'm cool with there it. There you go. Yeah, it wasn't me. I, I, call me Shaggy. Right, wasn't enough. me. I'm not going to call you Shaggy. All right, so uh, they do appear right. in many um, top 25s uh, for the very early ones. Uh, for example, Mark Schlebaugh, different things at ESPN.com. Uh, you, you just said you're not surprised by this. Um, I, it was the only thing I thought of after the bowl game that might have been you know, the negative part of the end of the season here, Mark, was in college football, we love our preseason polls. In the early look ahead for for Louisville for next season. They're at 22 on ESPN.com. Essentially, the outlook is uh, that, look, Jeff Brom's crushing it in the portal. He lands impact uh, transfers. He's as good as Lane Kiffin as a, you know, if he's not king of the transfer portal, he's essentially the prince of the the portal. Prince of the portal. How about that? Little pee-pee. We like that? Portal prince? Little portal prince? He's too old to be a prince. (laughs) What about Prince Andrew? I'd rather not talk about Prince Oh, okay, Andrew, got it. Okay, well, I just say it. Age, right? I had the dump button ready age. to go. We're not talking about no, no. <laughs> What are you trying to do here? <laughs> I don't even want to hear Zach's name in a promo. I don't want to talk about it. Prince Andrew. <laughs> but essentially that they trust Brom to bring in 40 new guys every single season and make it work, which is a remarkable thing. Um, do, you, do you think this is the – okay, let's, let's start. I, I'm getting way ahead of myself. You're not surprised to see them in the in the early top 25s. Is it because of the transfer portal? Is it because of Jeff Brom? Is it a combination? What says Mark Dennis? Yeah, it's all of that. I, I think Jeff has a, a residual um, earned goodwill uh, in the eyes of the college football media uh, that people just assume his teams are going to be 15% better than just maybe they ought to be mm. because he's the coach. And I think that that's true. I think he's he's a he's good enough that the teams are always going to be a little better than they ought to be uh, as long as he's the head coach. And I think in particular you're looking at uh, this team is doing a really good job addressing the offense in the portal. And people, you know his reputation as an offensive guy. Uh, last year was quickly put together. This one seems to be bigger in terms of uh, amplitude like these are more impactful offensive guys uh, along with you know this not being year one now no one's learning the system except for freshmen uh, and and new guys this year it won't be just all brand new I think there's every reason in the world to be optimistic that they will hit the ground running again next year and I think this is going to be life for the non-blue bloods Uh, the NC, if you look at the top 10 transfer classes, it's, it's Ole Miss and Colorado and Louisville and uh, NC State, places like that, uh, Florida State in there too, uh, that this is your sideways entrance into not having to ride the waves that the Blue Bloods don't ride, where you don't have to have seven and five seasons after really good ones because you've got to sort of get 
geared back up. You can just go do it again. And, and I think the places that are committed to it and have resources and want to do it and have a good coach and a brand and all that stuff, they're saying we're not going to do this. We're, we're not going to take our lumps with young guys. We're going to go out and we're going to try to stock our rosters with the best high school kids we can, but we're just not going to, to ride this out anymore. We're going to address this stuff with kids who want to come in and be impactful right away, and we think we can do it. I always thought Cincinnati, the job there, could be a great one in the modern era because you get those kids from Ohio, and there's so much good high school talent in Ohio, that go other places and it doesn't work out. And then if they wanted to transfer back to Ohio, you have Cincinnati, right? And I wonder if you know L is going to have to do something similar where you get a bunch of Midwest guys that try lots of different places and they can kind of circle back here uh, and end up here. But frankly, I mean, they're just getting guys from everywhere, so it seems to not matter. Um, with this kind of approach – which you seem to think is very permanent for U of L. This is how they're, that Jeff Brom is going to construct the roster every year. Should fans start to brace themselves? So, for example, on the on the Kentucky side, we had John Hale on a couple of weeks ago, and he essentially said, "Hey, with the new SEC schedule, you know, fans need to appreciate even more how many times Mark Stoops made a bowl game because that expectation may go away in the new reality." With Louisville, I think less of. You know, hey, are they going to get to six wins? That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm saying is, should should there be, an, uh, at least in fans' minds, a little bit of a possibility that, you know, they go 10-4 and four this year, but next year they might go 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four just because the pieces they bring in might not work? Yeah, I think you, ha- you do have to be prepared for it's a little boomier and bustier. Uh, like, I, you have the, the opportunity to do things like you did this year. Right. Uh, and everything sort of landed well enough, at least, uh, that you were able to to win 10 games and make it to Charlotte. But there are, I think there are obviously going to be years where it doesn't work. And just like, just imagine if something had happened to Jack Plummer like in game one. This is, and we don't even like Jack Plummer anymore. <laughs> and this wasn't a great year. Right. But if, if he wasn't healthy all for every single game this year, Louisville doesn't have the season that they have uh, this year. Uh, and, and I think you add to it, the ACC's got a handful of teams that are doing the exact same thing. Mm. And so the competition is going to be more difficult for some of uh, for Louisville in certain years where other teams put together seasons like Louisville had this year. So I think you, you do have to make room for the idea of it going south here and there, uh, but you're also making room for the idea that it never goes like all the way bad. Like if you're a Louisville fan, I think it's – it's reasonable to think like you really ought to make a bowl game every single year, no matter what. Like you can do that. How much of things are now? How much of that is Brom? How much is ACC? Like what kind of percentage is that? I mean, a lot of it's Brom, but Louisville is. I mean, at this point, they've they're established enough, okay. and I think they they make the investment enough. They're well situated enough, and I, this is where I think the like the. the um, the brands, I, I really do wonder about this, Louis. Like teams overall, uh, if you are like a three-star kid, okay, a solid kid, a kid who would have the option out of high school uh, to sign with like NC State or, or Louisville, just like a solid player who could play in the Power Five and would have Power Five offers, but like the Blue Bloods aren't falling all over you. I wonder about that kid. Like what's the point of that? You, especially if you're, say, a quarterback or a wide receiver, you should go – to, to App State, or you should go to Liberty or Coastal Carolina, or you should go 
uh, somewhere uh, you should go well, to Boise State or whatever. Yeah, Drew gave the example of uh, oh gosh, I forget. Uh, it's uh, Trent Dilfer's coaching at UAB, right? And and essentially, Trent Dilfer was like, "Yeah, come here for a year, sure." <laughs> like you know, like if you're a high three star, yeah, come here. We'll we'll let you play for a year, and then if you want to transfer, go ahead. That kind of thing. Yeah. That, and coaches, I wonder if we're not going to see at some point. You just saying Trent Dilfer saying that. Go ahead and position yourself as we're a feeder. We're, right. We will launch you. Right. If you come here as a freshman, basically we're going to be a JUCO. We will play all of our freshmen and sophomores all the time. And if you want to get out of here, we will help you. We will utilize you and basically try to make it like a last chance you, right? It was like you got sure. two years to earn something bigger than this. And, and if there was a, a, a Sunbelt school or South Florida or something like that that wanted to position themselves like that, I think it could work. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see if those sorts of things uh, pop up uh, as we go along, especially, I mean, as this thing becomes even more normalized. I mean, obviously, we're, <laughs> we're doing this in, a, in an obvious way, and uh, transfers dominate. Uh, where do I want to go with this? I mean, are you are, are even you a little surprised by the success in the portal for, for or, like, the, the sheer numbers of guys that are that are committing to Louisville this early? Not on the heels of the season, I think, that they okay. had. You know, and I think Louisville is obviously uh, – I talked with somebody uh, at Tennessee. Like, both of the kids that committed to Louisville yesterday that played at Tennessee last year, uh, Louisville was, Louisville's aggressive NIL-wise uh, with those guys, and, and Tennessee wanted to keep both of them. Uh, they entered the portal and were able to get something done, uh, as far as I understand it. Uh, that was was very competitive in that world, and I just think the fact that Louisville wants to play that ball, uh, and it's working uh, for them. They've got uh, a brand, they've got a coach uh, who has uh, dudes all over, you know, in the NFL. Uh, it, no, I'm I'm not surprised though, that it's working uh, well for them. I I think they'll have the option, especially with quarterbacks and wide receivers. You'd think the entire time Jeff's here, uh, that this will be, they'll be able to get what they need every offseason. Tyler Shook is the QB commit for next year. He will be 25. Uh, in September, um, I mean, is this? Do you do you think? I mean, look on the on the red tinted glasses side, they went and they got their guy and they got him right away. On the uh, Louis Rabot side, there's a he's still in college, his seventh year for a reason. Uh, where does Mark Ennis fall on Tyler Shark? Yeah, I think he's the. I think they would prefer he be the quarterback, uh, but I don't think it's as locked in as it was with Jack Plummer. Okay. You know, I, I think they intended to bring Jack Plummer in, and nobody else was going to be the quarterback last year. But I think Tyler Shuck, they, they prefer him. And I, I think he's, when healthy, is better than Jack Plummer. But the win healthy is enormous, and we shouldn't pretend that it isn't. Just think about what I just said a second ago. Like, what is this year like if sure. Jack Plummer doesn't stay healthy? Well, you, it is a fair question about Tyler Shuck uh, that, that he's had three season-ending injuries, you know, in his, his time here. But I, I think if you can keep him healthy, like you were able to do uh, with, with Jack Plummer this year, uh, the, you know the running quarterback is a part of the game with what Jeff does, but not a lot. And I, I, you minimize that, I, I think they're going to be really good again next year. I, I'm optimistic about him, but I think it will be more of a quarterback battle. I think Brady Allen and Pierce Clarkson will have a an actual uh, legitimate chance to beat him and be the starters, and I think that they won't hesitate to go to those guys if he doesn't perform like like jack did in some stretches this year so if you are you of the mind like i am that they could be better next year and have a worse record yeah okay schedule is obviously is a big uh, part of that uh, for sure 
it, it's really hard to like pick that out, right? right. To say like right. that's what we're seeing, but I definitely think that it's it's possible. Uh, they want a lot of close games this year, and there are just there are going to be years where you. You, we don't try to uh, a field goal with the backup kicker at NC State, and he makes it. Like you know, right. some years he he's not going to. Right, uh, and you don't win thirteen ten stuff like that. That will happen. Uh, but I, I think you, you'd like to think as this thing gets more established, you have fewer of those games too. Yeah, it, and to be fair, this year everyone was like, oh, thank God Clemson's not on the schedule. And then you were like, eh, well, yeah, well, <laughs> might have been the year to catch Clemson, that kind of thing. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, the schedule in January uh, feels a little different than it does when we get into October. So uh, that uh, to balance as well. Uh, a reminder. Hey, let of, me ask you, Lou, what yeah. do you think about uh, this? Sorry, and then I'll let you uh, do what you're going to do there. Please. I think it's a good sign for Louisville that this offseason – They've they've lost out on some kids to like Florida State. Like Louisville was was pretty deep into conversations with DJU and with Jalen Lucas, and those guys ended up at Florida State. And, and uh, like to me, I think they're swimming in the right kinds of waters for some of these guys, even if they're not getting them every time. I th- there's there's been a, an uptick in, in the targets that they're even losing out on, to say nothing of the ones that they are getting. Uh, that that I think fans should find awfully encouraging. Yeah, I, I guess I, I should be consistent in that. If you're if if a program's recruiting a kid out of high school, I definitely look at the list of where the kid also has other offers from. Right. So if I'm doing that with high right. school kids, I should definitely be doing that with transfer kids. So to answer your question, I'll try to be consistent here. Yes, I, I agree with you. <laughs> if that makes sense, I do think that you want to be at least in the same waters, like you mentioned, with the scouting departments at a place like. Florida State or, or frankly, any you know high level sort of SEC or a Big Ten team, that kind of thing. So yes, no, I, I agree with you on that. I do. Um, but man, at Notre Dame, at Kentucky, at Clemson, <laughs> all games on the schedule next year. They get SMU at home, who went uh, undefeated in their conference last year as well. And those pesky Pitt Panthers, man, they're coming to town. How about that? Pesky. I replayed that sound yesterday, uh, Mark, of uh, the kid bleep talking Kenny Payne last year and. Oh, all the, all the guys yuck it up. Oh yeah. No, oh, the the uh, boisterous, explosive uh, Rick Bozich laugh in that clip forever. Forever. Can't erase that one. More show. We do it next. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Summer has come and passed. The innocent can never last. Wake me up when September ends. 
are listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabot. <laughs> I love the theme today, Zach. Oh, man, Zach Cantrell uh, hanging out with me, Louis Rabot, and uh, Guy Mark Ennis, of course, first hour of the show. Uh, on Tuesdays uh, with Mark, uh, we will now uh, talk Louisville basketball despite uh, Mark's best uh, intents. Uh, I will first, though, tell you about our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, are bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. You may have missed out last night on that national title game, but you got plenty of NFL action coming up this weekend. Plus, everyone gets a no sweat same game parlay for every playoff game, uh, for every playoff game day. And so download that uh, DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code WHBE. New customers can bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code WHBE. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS. Physically present in Kentucky. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Opt-in required. One no-sweat token issued per eligible day after opt-in. No sweat bonus bet issued based on amount of losing qualifying bet. Eligibility, max reward limits, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. All right, so on the basketball side, they dropped the um, they dropped the game to Pitt. That was probably one of their better chances, Mark, uh, to get an ACC win. Um, anything, any takeaways from that? The only thing I talked about, gosh, yesterday, was that I, I think you just go play the young guys and you tell Sky Clark, hey, Thanks, but you know we got we got to try something different here, uh, and you do some sort of combination of uh, I don't know uh, of Johnson and uh, Williams and um, uh, Glenn, maybe Huntley Hatfield, and then uh, you know you throw them the keys and see what happens. Mike James obviously is 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 having a, a pretty good season. Do you, do you agree with that assessment? And did you glean anything from the picket? I mean, what's the point of this? this I was told on the text line that I'm negative, so I'm trying to be positive. Oh, all right. Uh, just like like we're gonna have a conversation. Uh, the best thing for them to do, yeah, I mean, I yeah. How about that? The, huh? Like the young, yeah. I look. I would have thought. Here's how I would have said it. Very similar to you. If Kenny is uh, determined for there to be a year three, and he wants to try to build some momentum for that, uh, he should be one having a recruiting class lined up that gives some people something to look forward to, and two. He should have a massive youth movement and talk about these guys taking lumps with an eye towards next year, and he's doing neither of those things uh, at this point. Uh, I, I love the the core of the young guys. I'd like to see more of them. I'd like to see more of them playing uh, together. Uh, as far as the pit game uh, itself, you fouled three point shooters three times. Mm. Like the, you, and here's where. You know, I didn't get anyone who called in yesterday at any point to make the case uh, that we should take it easy because of injuries, you know, and that sort of thing uh, after the game. And I think this is where, like, no matter what the situation is, they never do all they can do. Mm. And so shorthanded, did you watch that game and think, like, all right, they knew they were shorthanded. They got to do whatever. Like, here's the junk game plan to muck this game up and win it. No, it was it was nothing like that. And the the example that I brought up was – in the COVID year, Malik Williams hurts his foot in the offseason, and you know now you don't have a center, certainly not one like Malik Williams. And so what did they do? It was Jalen Withers is going to play center, undersized, out of position, and just 
try to hang in there and we'll win around him. And you know what? They they kind of did. They just mm-hmm. barely missed the NCAA tournament that year. But you knew, like, here's a challenge. Here's the workaround. And if it works, that, that's a great coaching job. You can't, even with a straight face, I think, look at how they play and, like, like okay, they recognize they're shorthanded. Here's what they're doing. I still – I didn't see anything that was like, wow, that's really clever. Uh, I see what they're trying to do. Like, it was just – the same game again and it's always that uh kenny payne disagrees with us about playing freshmen uh here's some sound from the coaches show last night this is from lynn wants to know how is the portal affecting the recruiting at uofl um how is the portal affecting the recruiting so I believe that we're at a point now where there are very few high school kids that can come in and, um, and contribute to what we have on this team. Uh, to me, the next step is going out and getting uh, kids in the portal, the transfer portal, that have two, three, four years of college experience to take us to the next level. Um, I believe that with you know, the high school kids that, we came, that have came here, they're going to be better uh, as they get older and get more experience. And then now it's about what veteran transfer guy can come in and add to what we're doing to get us over the hump. And not that a high school could, kid can't, uh, but he has to be pretty special. And I think that's where we are right now. I really – so – all right, so you and I, Mark, are, are now uh, guys in our 40s, and we have known many people in our lives who are very good at things but are have glaring weak spots within what they do or, or their social behavior. So I have known people who do this job, who are radio bros or TV bros, whatever, and you see them in broadcasting, and, man, they are terrific. They are absolutely great on television, um, on radio, whatever it might be. And then you meet them in person and you and you, you extend your hand to shake their hand and they can't... I, I met a woman this summer, for example, who works in horse racing and she couldn't even look me in the eyes to talk to me. She was so awkward, right? Yeah. And, and I don't hold that against her. She's very nice and I think she does a very good job and all those things, but she just couldn't do it. At some point, are we just... Do we just have a head coach across the street that just can't do this? Because that is not... A, that's not... Did he not coach a bunch of freshmen who took them over the top at Kentucky? <laughs> like, like, I don't. Every year. Every single year. And I, so I don't. Is he really just convinced he can't do that here? Or is he just bad at the interview thing? Well, and who th- who thinks that the freshmen that they did get are really special? Like, I think they're good. But these guys can play as freshmen. So, but you can't find ones better than these guys? to come in next year and help these guys. And then of course the other part of that is you had this off season uh, to, you could have done both with the, you kept four guys. You could have gotten your freshmen that you like and your experienced guys all in one off season. You had room for eight guys, right? You could have done all of that. Yes. Uh, But as far as like the, like the communicating part of that, this was a point I tried to make on the show a little bit yesterday it doesn't seem like a big leap to go from he can't communicate to us to he can't communicate to them. To his kids, that's right. Right? Like, it's, yep. there's no way that he's just, just like this brilliant, articulate, 
uh, can get my message and vision through to the players and then turns around and just has no idea what to say to us. Mm. Like, he's the same person. And so it just makes it a lot easier to believe they don't know what to do either because he talks to them just like he talks to us. We got a, and that was a nonsense answer. It is a nonsense answer. Yeah, it was. Uh, we got Mark for a couple more minutes. You're welcome to text in more questions. 437-9680. Someone wanted to ask, Mark, you said that you think Brom makes a team about 15% better. What effect, negative or positive, do you think Kenny Payne has as a percentage? Oh, boy. I mean, I guess I'll probably have to answer that by saying, like, I think a good coach, uh, they don't go 4-28 last year. And, it, and this team is probably over 500 uh, with a good coach. No, they are over 500. I, th- I think that. So, I mean, I think he's a negative just because you put guys – you put guys out there who don't know what to do, and that's on you. Uh, and you put guys out there and let them do what they're not supposed to do. And I, I really have not been able to make a decision on which one I think is more egregious, mm. uh, that you have guys out there. He said it. he did it last year. I put guys out there who weren't bought in. Well, man, that's on you. Right. Uh, like that, that, That's your fault. And so I, I he's it's a big problem what he both – isn't able to deliver and allows to happen. And, and in the end, his I can't even tell really what his vision is for what he thinks he ought to positively be doing with players. Can we, like that clip, you you, you played it yesterday, where he answers, he's like, basically, if, the, if we win, the kids get all the credit. If we lose, I get all the blame. And that's not true. No, that's right. You're we, right. We revere college basketball coaches as gods. Yes. Nobody gets more credit for wins Correct. than coaches. We just say Michigan State, oh, that's Izzo. Yes. Right. Izzo, yep. got it. No problem. Patino, no problem. Like, like we, Bill Self, they'll always be good. Like, we, the coach is shorthand for the team always being good. But I think Kenny really thinks that. And it's the first time I ever really felt like he, he blinked and showed some bitterness at the criticism. Mm. And that, that his answer uh, rather than it being a uh, in some, some sort of insight in how they do things, he sounded defensive. Like I need y'all to know that I told them not to do that stuff. And, 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 and so what? Right. You didn't. Your job isn't to tell them that stuff. That's step one. You then enforce it. And if it doesn't work, you do it a different way. You try this thing, then this thing. You escalate whatever it might be. In a weird way, I think Kenny thinks his job as the coach is to just tell them stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And if I say it, I've done my part. And that's just that's so unbelievably naive. But it would explain a lot. Um, more questions coming on the text line, 437-9680. Uh, text or question, I think KP knows the game, but is his personality a better good cop versus head coach bad cop is there a chance that that's true i think a lot of us assume that that yes he's fully capable of developing players if that's his job but running a program might be a different a different thing that he's not as good at yeah i don't think that kenny is dumb or lazy and i've heard a lot of that and i i wish people didn't say that because i don't believe that that's true i agree Uh, i think he knows a lot about basketball uh, but i think his strength is similar to Satterfield's. He's good at people and, and keeping people even keeled and keeping people uh, you know, motivated. And with basketball in particular, you, you get to work a lot one-on-one. It's only you know a dozen or so scholarship guys. Uh, and Kenny thrived where he was the offset to a maniac. 
and, and now he's the maniac. Right. But he's not. Right. The Correct. Maniac. Yes. Right. He's not capable of it. And, yeah. and so he he just it, it's the same thing as like Todd Grantham. Todd Grantham is a wonderful to me defensive coordinator who would be a hideous head coach. Mm. But you would love to have him right where he is, just as he is. But if you move him over that one seat, that place is going down in flames. Mm. Uh, you know, he's a sometimes food, so to speak, <laughs> that, yeah. in terms of temperament and mindset. And so I think Kenny knows basketball, and I think Kenny's really good at, like, connecting with a guy and figuring out yep. what motivates him and what works. But when you're the head coach, that's not the job. Right. right. That's only part of the job. And he seems to really just be continuing to be doing that job. And the all of the other stuff just goes undone. And that's why they're as bad as they are. We talk about a lot with U of L when you and I get together on these Tuesdays, just the the body language and how the guys react to games. And it, I texted you the other day during the pit game, and I was like, it is stunning how infrequently a good play leads to a series of good plays for U of L. It just yeah. doesn't. Like what? It, they're they're such outliers. And oh man, I was going to go somewhere with this. <laughs> oh well. Oh, I was watching uh, St. John's of Villanova the other day. Okay, And obviously St. John's had their growing pains early in the season, and now Rick Pitino has fully put his fingerprints on that place. But I watched probably about eight minutes of the second half. And St. John's is up double digits, okay? And they are controlling the game. They are playing really well. And two guys made errors during that time. And both of them, I watched them almost break their necks looking over to the bench. (laughs) Oh, crap, Mm -hmm. am I going out? And I think... There's a balance there where you don't want guys breaking their neck to find out if they're going to get replaced on the floor. I don't think that's a way to live. But at the same time, the threat needs to be there, right? Where if you make a mistake, you might go to the bench. And you brought it up with Payne saying, eh, I just didn't have the guys to put out there last year that were motivated. Well, go find him. You know, just go go find him. Go grab someone else to go play. I mean, who cares? If you're already losing, go lose with guys that at least give a damn, right? I mean, at least you're trying to do something. And that's why well, when I talk about Glenn and Williams and Johnson and, you know, and, you know, and, and James, like, go play those guys. At least they give a damn. Well, and, and like just once, I, I would love, if you're going to tell us that Tyler Johnson wouldn't go in the game because of tights, then he, he olays a guy and gives up an open layup to start the game yeah. against Pitt. Right. Put him on the bench for the rest of the game. Mm. And then in the postgame press conference, say he dogged it in front of everybody with everything on the line. We talked about this, and I'm just not going to put guys out there who do that sort of thing anymore. I hope he learns from this. Like, that's not harmful to that kid. Right. I'm sorry. Right. But I think Kenny thinks it is. Yeah, he does. He does think that. And, and so, if, but if he, had, if he does that sort of thing, he is a hero. Like, people would devour that but you're we're over a year and a half into this now and you really aren't even sure if there's anything a player can do to not play right like there's no bottom lines that can be violated that's, that's right yeah and that's that's just an absurd thing to be able to say about a coach yeah that's why the the, the patino just it it made me realize i've watched so much L basketball the last two years and just not seen that at all and and don't mean to do the red v blue thing but that's actually something calipari's gotten pretty good at this year is guys are whatever that balance is that i mentioned of uh, i might get pulled if i don't you know if i don't execute properly but at the same time guys are still being athletic trying things you know taking chances that kind of thing whatever that balance is they seem to have found it at lexington this year there's just none of it at uofl right now it has swung so far 
to whatever you just described, to whatever, you know, I mean, just what, whatever the, uh, I could just do whatever I want. I can Olay. And uh, you, you mentioned it. It's the first play of the game. He played 32 minutes. <laughs> Only two guys had more minutes in that game. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, he is Mark Ennis. He's over on the drive, uh, three to six on 93.9. You can hear him. Who is in with you on Tuesdays? Is it Biscuit? It is Luke Hancock today. Luke Hancock. How about that? So that show will be very good looking for a day. How about that? Uh, tomorrow, right. he will be part of the pregame for U of L basketball as they head uh, to Miami. The pregame will start at 530 on the network side. So Mark has about a two and a half hour show uh, there. If you were running Louisville Sports Live tonight, what would you talk about? I Man, I think Ethan's doing a good job just being like, screw it. We're talking <laughs> candidates. <laughs> Right, and we just yeah. We fan are the radio is its firm. own thing, right? Fan radio has yeah, its we're the search firm for the rest of the year. There it we're going to watch and evaluate and do it all out in the open. I, I mean, I'm I'm certainly at the place where I've editorially decided we're just not going to talk about this like there's any chance that this is going forward. Now I know that there's at least one person out there who says that there's some option for Kenny getting a third year. That's not. Let's just stop. Okay. That's not. It's not happening. And I'm not going to talk about it like there's a future if he's not going to act like he wants there to be a future. There you go. Well, he's Mark Ennis. At Mark Ennis on Twitter, by the way. Go follow uh, him there. Tune in 93.9 at 3 o'clock for his show as well. Mark, I will talk to you tonight on 40 Minutes of Pod, buddy. See you then. Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks, Mark. Mark Ennis in his usual spot there on Tuesdays, 10 o'clock hour. Appreciate him very much. Uh, This, uh, oh boy. Zach is going to have to come to the mic at some point today unless he just wants me to talk for an hour. So we will find out how uh, in the mood Zach is. (laughs) Save that for the mixtape. More mixtape stuff next.